Well, good morning. Oh, that was almost as bad as the kids. Good morning. That was a little bit better. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be walking through the book of James here in worship. Uh, and I feel like uh, whenever I read James, I feel like I always need to give a disclaimer, uh, a warning, if you will, um, that if you're the kind of person, kind of as we were talking with the kids, uh, that if you're the kind of person who wants to kind of come to church, listen to some good music, uh, maybe hear some nice words from the pastor, and then go home uh, and go about your life and not worry about doing the churchy stuff all week, um, you're not going to like James. Just a warning. Uh, James is going to show us that faith requires a lot from us, and in fact, one of the lines from this morning's text that I was talking with the kids about, uh, which may be worth repeating every single week, is be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Now, if you believe that faith is action and that you want to be a part of God's mission, if you want this church to be a mission-focused church, uh, then James, my friends, is the right book for you. And so we're going to jump in over the next couple of weeks and hear what James has to say to us. Uh, And so we begin this week uh, with James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. So hear now these words from James. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome meekness, the implanted word that has the power to save your souls." But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like, want, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves, and upon going away, immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think that they are religious and do not bridle their tongue but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. But religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. It's the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Imagine that if you were like me as a child, you said the Pledge of Allegiance every single day you were in school. I'm not getting any head shakes. Did you say the Pledge of Allegiance when you were in school? Yeah, okay. Every single day, it was the same, every day, you'd, you, the same routine, you'd get to school, 
Um, and it was ingrained. I remember as a kid, it was like a part of me. Every I could recite it at any point, anywhere, completely without any problems. I'd had that little bit more trouble with that this week when I was trying to think of it because um, I haven't done it in a while. Um, but I could recite it anywhere. I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Did I miss the under God part? Sorry. Well, just so you know, historically, the under God part wasn't added until the 1950s. But I wasn't alive in the 1950s, so I don't have an excuse for that. Um, but... <laughs> Beyond that point, uh, there are many things that I memorized as a child, and like the Pleasure of Allegiance, many of the things that I memorized as a child, I didn't fully understand. I remember being a kid and having no clue what the word indivisible meant. In fact, for a long time, I thought it was invisible, and that was really confusing as a kid. But as I started getting older, I realized that I really didn't have an understanding of what the words justice for all meant either. In fact, as a kid, I had, if I confess, I had no idea what that word justice for all really meant. And to be quite frank with you, now as an adult, knowing what justice means I sincerely have to admit that I'm not sure whether I believe it. I believe that we all want to be that, but I have trouble believing that America is in fact a place where there is justice for all. Now that statement may, may be hard for you to hear or believe or it may even make you upset, but to be honest with you, for, the, for four years, Aaron and I worked in the foster care system in the Shenandoah Valley. And to be honest with you, over those four years, it was very easy to start to see and feel the fact that injustice was everywhere. It became very easy to see that those children had no justice. And so this phrase, justice for all, seemed to be lacking for those children. We saw kids go in and out of the foster care system never feeling as though they had a place to call home. We witnessed families struggle to get the resources that they needed for children who had been severely traumatized. We watched workers struggle with caseloads that were far too big because the investment just wasn't there from the government. And when you look at all the statistics, beyond what we saw, when you looked at all the statistics, it only further elaborates that there was injustice for all of those foster children that they will face for the rest of their lives. After reaching the age of 18, 20% of children who were in foster care will become instantly homeless. One out of every two foster kids who age out will have actual employment at the age of 24. That means 50% unemployment for foster kids at 24. There is less than, three, there is less than a 3% chance that a child who is aged out of foster care will ever go on to earn any kind of degree in their life. 
Seven out of ten girls who age out of foster care will become pregnant by the age of 21. 25% of all foster children will struggle with PTSD for the rest of their life. And to be honest, foster care is only one of the many injustices in our society. We could spend months talking about the injustice throughout our society towards homeless persons, minorities, those with disabilities, those with mental illness, those who live in food deserts, violence against women, the LGBT community, the Flint water crisis, poor disaster recovery in Puerto Rico, and the list could go on and on and on about the ways that we fail justice for all. And that is why I struggle with the phrase justice for all. Now you may be saying, so what? All of these frustrations I struggle with too, Ryan. Uh, But those are the jobs of politicians, not the church, and certainly not me. I can't do anything about that at all. But if you remember that line from earlier, that line that's in fact still on the screen, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Well, he takes that a few steps further in just a few verses later. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You see, we just pointed out all the ways in which the world is unjust. It serves those with power and wealth and seeks to take advantage of the poor and the weak. That is how the world was and that is how the world is and that is how the world will continue to be unless we as Christians do something about it. The world is unjust, but James this morning is calling us to bring justice to the world. That is why James pinpoints this morning orphans and widows because in the first century Jewish world there was no two people who better represented oppression and injustice than orphans and widows because if you had no husband and if you had no father then you had nothing you had no rights you had no voice you had no support and likely you had no home These were people who were severely taken advantage of. And James is calling the church to care for them. That that is what true religion is, if you care for those who face injustice. And so that becomes the call for us this morning in our society to find those people who have no voice, who have no rights, who have no support, the homeless, those in foster care, those persons with disability and mental illness, those who lack access to health care and proper food, and the list goes on and on. But you see, justice is more than just a helping hand. It's striving to change the systems that created the injustice in the first place. 
The great German theologian Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who spent his entire adult life resisting Hitler and the Nazis, which eventually cost him his life in a concentration camp, once said, we are not simply to bandage the wounds of the victims beneath the wheels of injustice, but we are to drive the spoke into the wheel itself. You see, as Christians, we are typically very good at bandaging the wounds of those who have been oppressed. We are good at setting up food pantries. We are good at setting up uh, funds for people to kind of access so that they can pay their power bill or their water bill. And while those things are very important, they do not address the root causes of poverty and hunger. They are merely bandages, much needed bandages, but bandages nonetheless. To drive the spoke into the wheel of injustice is to bring about lasting change to the systems that cause oppression in the first place. To give you an example, a number of years ago, there was a woman named Veronica Scott. She accepted a challenge from her her college professor to design something to fill a need in the city of Detroit. Scott, an art student, found her inspiration on the streets. She said that in Detroit, there is this large homeless population, and they kind of just disappear into the landscape. She said, I wanted to design something for a whole population of people that we just refuse to see. And so she created a fully insulated, waterproof jacket that also converts into a sleeping bag or into a backpack. She said, so many people on the streets were wearing someone else's trash. The coat itself was was meant to offer people warmth, but also to give them some pride. Now the truth is, if she had stopped just there, that would only be bandaging a wound, giving them something to deal with the fact that they were homeless, but not addressing the cause of their homelessness. But one day, as she was handing out coats, a woman from a shelter shouted out, We don't need coats, we need jobs. And so being someone committed to justice, Scott started a nonprofit called the Empowerment Plan, and she hired homeless individuals from the local shelter to manufacture the coats that she was making. The employees received training and support services to help them to get their lives back on track. And since 2012, the group has distributed more than 15,000 free coats around the world. In her little corner of the world, Scott was trying to change a system, not just hand out coats, but change people's lives. Now, I realize that not all of us can start a nonprofit. I don't have that skill. I don't know if you do. And I admit that sometimes it's hard to even see where the needs in our community are. But there are ways that we can already participate, that we can join in and participate on things that are already happening. Cries for justice that are already taking place. Just a few weeks ago, the United Methodist Church gathered in D.C., or a large grouping of United Methodists, at a rally called United to Love. 
They were gathering there in opposition to white supremacists who were also gathering just a few blocks that same day. You may remember they were gathering as an anniversary to what happened in, in Charlottesville last year. And so there were United Methodists who stood up and said, this is not right. This is an injustice, and we're going to go there, and we're going to show people what it really means to be the hands and feet of Christ, rallying for justice in the streets, the same streets that white supremacists were marching on just a few blocks away. You can call congressmen or delegates to call for changes in societies like foster care reform. One option that has recently come to me is a, is a project called Open Table. It's a project where even we as a church here could do. Where churches pair with local persons in need to give them support structures to help them improve their life circumstances. Rather than just giving them what they need, they give them support, they give them information and knowledge and help them to make the choices themselves allowing them to, to find justice in their own lives. You see, justice is all about setting the world right. It is as Christ said in the, in the Gospels, it is the coming of the kingdom of God. And we, his followers, are called to bring about that kingdom and to bring about justice in our world. I told you there had to be a disclaimer this morning. Because to James, we cannot simply just come to church on Sunday and go home and pretend like nothing happened. Instead, James is calling us this morning that the way to be doers and hearers of the word, to be doers of the word and not merely hearers, is to bring justice to the world around us so that all people may live at peace in the kingdom of God. Amen.